0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts. The Tesla Go Private saga is now in its 10th day, and investors aren't much closer to clarity about whether CEO Elon Musk broke the rules by tweeting about secured funding for the deals. Speaking with Bloomberg yesterday, former SEC Director of Corporate Finance Keith Higgins said the SEC is likely working quickly to resolve the issue soon.
1: It's not going to be a complex investigation, so I would think they would be able to wrap it up quickly. And quite frankly, I think it would be in the SEC's interest to wrap it up quickly, as uh, obviously as well as Mr. Musk.
0: Joining me is John Coffey, professor at Columbia Law School. Jack, do you agree with Higgins that an SEC investigation is going to be wrapped up quickly?
2: Well, I think that is possible. What you really want to focus on is whether the board of directors can confirm Mr. Musk's story about his prior conversations and whether the people in Saudi Arabia will confirm that they deal did indicate a very strong interest and a possible willingness to finance a going private bid. If those stories start turning out inconsistent, or if the distance between Musk's view and Saudi Arabia's view seems quite far, then it looks again like he is materially overstated, then that can support liability.
0: Jack, looking at the deal now, what he's tweeted and what you know about it, right now does it look as if he crossed a line with social media?
2: Well, it's not so much whether you use social media. That's, that's an issue that concerns the SEC and might be part of a settlement. Twitter only has 114 characters, and you really can't give full disclosure in that small space. But I think the SEC is more concerned about whether this was a material overstatement that inflated the market price. And some believe there may have been a desire to inflate the market price in order to punish the shorts, and that would sound like manipulation. But for the short run, the SEC's first got to get the facts down and do the facts that must hold jibe and get confirmed by the facts that they can get from Saudi Arabia. And that'll take a little bit longer. That's going to require that the SEC convince the Saudi Arabia Sovereign Wealth Fund that it should respond to their request. There probably is an information-sharing treaty between Saudi Arabia and the United States, but that doesn't mean that they'll be quick to respond.
0: With financing from Saudi Arabia involved, will Tesla or Musk need clearance from CFIUS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the U.S.?
2: That's going to be one of the issues. Uh, new legislation was just passed. They do have jurisdiction. Uh, you could say that there is a national security interest here, although this is a startup company. This is not like our steel or aluminum industries where thousands are employed in it or millions are employed in it. Here, um, it would be harder to make that claim that there was national security interest that precluded this acquisition of Tesla. Uh, but we've seen other claims made recently under the standard of foreign acquisitions. I think the bigger problem is going to be coming up with a specific plan and a specific number uh... he originally offered four hundred and twenty dollars that was about a twenty percent premium that's pretty cheap. Most going private transactions, you offer those who are being cashed out something like a 30% premium. And we're going to see whether the independent committee of the board of directors is going to be satisfied with that price or whether they'll hold out for more like most independent committees usually do.
0: Would an SEC investigation have an impact on the timing or on Musk taking the company private?
2: Well, I would think that's one of the reasons why Mr. Musk and his side, lawyers both for the company and for Musk, would want to reach a quick settlement. No one wants to be sued by the SEC because courts respond a little bit more favorably to the SEC than to private plaintiffs. And if the SEC really had to go to court and establish liability judgment, that judgment would also be binding on Musk when the private plaintiffs sued and the private plaintiffs are suing for real damages. The SEC is probably suing only for a penalty and an injunction, and possibly some understanding, some negotiated protocol for how he will get future social media messages seen by, approved by, and in effect, uh, vetted by the company and its lawyers. I think the SEC wants something like that also, because Twitter is not the best way to communicate information to a small portion of your total investor audience.
0: You brought up the private plaintiff lawsuits. A lot of times those lawsuits are nothing more than, you know, nuisance value, kind of. Are these more serious?
2: Well, I think the uh, claim that the short sellers will make... That they really did lose money uh, and that uh, he had a bad motive trying to punish them. I think they will push that intensively. The other private suits, the problem is the market price has basically gone down to where it was before that original tweet announcing that funding was secured. There aren't great damages, and by his tweet earlier this week, he gave what he thought was all the full disclosure necessary. That will be seen as corrective disclosure that cuts off any future damages. So I don't think there is a huge payday here for the private plaintiffs, other than possibly for the short sellers who claim to have lost over a billion dollars and uh, definitely want to get some of that back. I think he has to worry first about the SEC suit and see if he can reach an understanding with them. And then he's got to work about coming forward with a transaction that the board will buy. The other factor that I think you should be aware of Tesla right now has something like 1,150 shareholders. In order to go private, in order to escape the SEC's continuous disclosure system with its quarterly earnings report, he has to get that number of shareholders of record down below 300. That's going to take a lot of work. It's not quite clear to me how he plans to do it. Uh, He can't. He could buy out all the shareholders, but that's expensive. He doesn't want to do that. He's going to need to buy out principally the small retail shareholders, and they may want more money than he's offering. He's talked about setting up a, a special purpose vehicle to which they would contribute their Tesla shares, but that's complicated. That's the equivalent of a private placement. Jeff, we, very we have difficult. to leave it
0: there. It's always okay. a great pleasure to have you on. That's John Coffee, professor at Columbia Law School. The jury is now deliberating in the tax and bank fraud trial of former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. As he left the courthouse yesterday, Manafort's attorney, Kevin Downing, said his client is feeling confident.
1: Mr. Manafort was very happy with how things went today. His defense team got to address the jury, point out the shortcomings in the government's case, and explain how the government has not met their burden of proof.
0: My guest is Jimmy Garoule, professor at Notre Dame Law School. Jimmy, the prosecutors in closing yesterday had to get around the fact that their star witness, Rick Gates' credibility, took some hits on cross-examination. And prosecutors here told jurors that Gates was not a Boy Scout. I've heard so many different versions of that over the years. Not a Boy Scout, not a choir boy, etc. Does it work?
1: I think what works here is the fact that the government is not asking the jury to return a guilty verdict based solely on Gates' testimony. In addition to Gates' testimony, the government has introduced a mountain of um, uh, evidence, of of documentary evidence, including bank records, tax records, emails, uh, texts. So I think that there is... um, compelling evidence to return a, a guilty verdict against Manafort, despite the problems with the credibility of Rick Gates.
0: Yes, the prosecutor said the star witness in this case is the documents. Now, turning to the defense closing. A closing argument, as you know, is supposed to be a marshalling of the evidence and not contain new information that's not supported by the evidence. But the defense seems to have done that, once suggesting that Manafort's signatures on foreign bank records were forged. What does the prosecution do at that point?
1: Well, I think that 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 particular issue was addressed by uh, Judge Ellis and his his instructions to the jury. The jury has been instructed that they are only to consider evidence, facts, documents, testimony that's been received uh, in evidence in in the case. So so these types of, of statements that are... Extraneous that that are outside of the evidence that's been received are to be discarded by by the evidence by the jury and not considered at all.
0: The defense during the trial has made you know they call the the prosecutor they refer to him as the special prosecutor or Muller. Mueller and during the closings they suggested that the special counsel had charged Manafort in order to get him to flip on Trump. Do these insinuations might they work on a jury?
1: I, I don't think so. I, I think the jury's too smart for this. At the end of the day, the, the real difficulty that uh, that the defense has is dealing with the documentary evidence. I mean, there, there is evidence that an FBI forensic accountant introduced that uh, there were 31 foreign bank accounts that were tied to, to Manafort, uh, accounts located in Cyprus, St. Vincent, and the Grenadines, and in the U.K., and those accounts contained millions of dollars. I think at least uh, $60 million of which that was not reported as taxable income. So I think this is a a kind of a bait and switch. This is the defense trying to shift attention away from the real issue, the real evidence on uh, on some tangential point. And I don't think it's going to be effective.
0: When the case first started everyone, most legal experts were saying the evidence is overwhelming here, you know, and sort of saying this is this is almost a slam dunk. But as the case progressed, and there were more problems with the judge, and you had uh, a really tough cross-examination of Rick Gates by the defense, it seems as if uh, that Open and shut cases is not so much so anymore. Are you? Would you be surprised, shocked if if there was not an acquittal, but perhaps but a hung jury?
1: I, I would be. I would be shocked because I think that the the documentary evidence is uh, is overwhelming in this particular case. I might not be shocked if the uh, jury returned perhaps a not guilty verdict on, on a couple of counts. But I'm, I'm confident that the jury is going to return a guilty verdict, if not on all 18 counts against Manafort, on a supermajority of, of those counts.
0: This, this is, as everyone has been saying, this is a test, the first courtroom test of the special counsel. And I, found, I thought that the, the cross-examination of, of Gates, as I, as I mentioned, was, was really tough and exposed some lies on his part. Oh, no. And It yeah, seems that's... surprising that the that the prosecution didn't prepare him better as a witness.
1: No, I don't think so. I, I, I would tend to disagree with that. I mean, remember, uh, Gates pled guilty to lying to the FBI. I mean, the, the, he, he he admitted that. He, he is going to be sentenced and is likely to spend some some time in jail for that. So the prosecution never presented him as a as an honest person. I think uh, clearly he is a thief. He is a liar, and the question is whether he wh- whether Manafort is is a bigger liar and a bigger thief than than Gates. And let's not forget Gates worked for Manafort, mm-hmm. and Gates yeah. was taking instructions and directions from Manafort. So he wasn't some independent. Uh, after in this, uh, in this scandal.
0: Were they able to make inroads, though? For, for example, he admitted to one affair on direct and then on cross. It turns out there were probably more than one.
1: The fact that, that Gates had, had conceded to uh, committing one affair or five affairs, that doesn't mean that Manafort is innocent of bank fraud and tax fraud. Again, I think it's an attempt to shift uh, attempt to shift the jury's attention away from the real evidence to make Manafort the bad guy. But again, Manafort is going to be convicted.
0: All right. We are going to see if you are correct. That's Jimmy Garoule, professor at Notre Dame Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.